Okay. Welcome everybody to episode 57 live from my drum room today. Uh, I have my very special guest, the legendary Kenny Jones, who's uh, waiting patiently in the, uh, in the green room for me. Thanks everybody for tuning in today. And thanks for everybody to everybody who's been watching all the past shows. Uh, Kenny, you might recall was on with me a few weeks ago with uh, a bunch of other drummers. So today it's just me and Kenny going to cover a lot of things in a not very long time. Um, I do want to mention that next week I have scheduled on Monday, the 8th of November, Sean Pelton, longtime Saturday Night Live drummer, will be joining me live from the drum room. That's next Monday, the 8th of November. And that's at, I think it's at 1 p.m., but don't, don't trust me on that one. Um, yeah, so the usual story. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast, to the YouTube channel. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. And I think really to keep the show moving along, I'm going to welcome my very special guest, Kenny Jones. And there he is. Hi, Kenny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, I'll uh, give it <laughs> Continue. There you go. Done. Yeah, good, good. You can hear me okay, and I can hear you okay. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Um, Kenny, thanks for being here. As I said earlier, it's it's great to have you back, and and uh, and thank you again for being part of that um, little tribute to Charlie we did a few weeks ago. It was. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I wish I could have stayed longer, but I had to go somewhere. I understand. Yeah, I know it was. I think by the time we got it going, it was pretty late over yeah. on your side of the How pond. Did it so. go on for when I left? You know, maybe not that much longer. Maybe about 20, 20 or so minutes, if that. Yeah. Oh, you know, once you left, it was, it wasn't fun anymore. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, I know you don't have a whole lot of time and I've got a whole lot of things to, uh, to ask you about. So, um, you know, sort of trying to be chronological. First of all, I do want to tell you that a mutual friend of ours, Dave Maddox sends oh, his Dave, best. Yeah. Name. Lovely guy. Yeah. He said the same about you. He mentioned the, uh, the, the record you guys did together with Joan Armatrading. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Got me some emotion, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and you played, I, I think, a bunch of tracks on your own, and then he did, and then you played some double drumming tracks too. And that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And Lynn Johns, Lynn Johns was was our engineer, Ooh. which is very fortunate because it gets me a great drum sound. Always have done. Yeah. yeah. Did he did he engineer a lot of the faces stuff too, Glenn Johns? Lynn did the small faces right from day one, and right the way through to the faces. So I've, I've been very fortunate to actually have a great, well, Glyn Johns, when he started with us, was an engineer. Then he became yeah. a producer after he finished with us. But it was like, it, was, it became like one of the band. So it's very easy to work with. Um, not, not everyone would say that because it's, it's, sometimes it can get a bit shirty, <laughs> like most producers do. But he, he was great, great with me. We were fine. And I, one day I said to him, I said to him, Glenn, I said, look, uh, people have been asking me how many mics I had on my drum kit. How did you mic me up? And, and how did you get that great sound? And he said, he said, it's you, you silly son. I said, what do you mean? He said, all I did was put a couple of overheads on, one overhead, sorry, one overhead and a close mic to snare, and that's it. So wow. I captured, I captured the, the sound of your drums in the room. We've actually got the room sound, like the ambulance sound. That's fantastic. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I know that's his, that's his technique, that, that oh, ambient, yeah. yeah, natural sound. And, and just to jump back to that. So the small faces, 
formed in the mid 60s, 65 or so. Yeah. And you were like 16, 17 when the band formed. I think I think I was just turned 16 when we uh, when we actually signed a contract with Don Arden. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I had a hit record in the charts before I knew it. My God, I swept off my feet and I haven't looked back since. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Look, I, you know, funny enough, this is. I just got this album. Just seen it lying around on purpose. This is an album. <laughs> That's very rare. It comes, it's, it's out on my my um, record label, Nice Records, and it's our. It's really a one-off. It's our, uh, uh, a recording we didn't know was we didn't realise was being recorded. In fact, we found it all these years later. And it's a a club. It's, it's recorded in Belgium in a club called the Twenty Club, um, and it's it's us live. It's the first earliest recording of us complete. So it's fantastic. We, we did tracks on it like Ooh Poopy Doo. I can't remember. <laughs> Ooh, it's silly name, isn't it? Ooh Poopy Doo. <laughs> you Need Loving. Uh, so you can see where Plum Nelly, uh, Baby Please Don't Go, Parchment Farm, uh, Land of a Thousand Dancers, What You Gonna Do About It, Coming Home, Babe. And on the other side, oh, you don't turn them over, you just play one side, do you? Um, Come On Children, uh, Grow Your Own. Please, please, uh, strange. You need loving. Uh, coming home, baby. E to D, and what you're going to do about it? So yeah. I, I recommend this. It's a really, really great one. I really love it. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna absolutely. I'm. Uh, I'm fascinated by the fact that you were so young and 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 playing so maturely, you know? So how old were you when you started playing drums? How long had you been playing? I, I, I got my drum, my first drum kit when I was, when I was just 13. And then I turned 14 quicker. So, you, I mean, like literally a month later. Yeah. So, and I, 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 when I started to play, when I got my, my first drum kit, it was a, a, a white, um, a white Olympic set, which I paid, 64 pounds, 13 shillings, and five pence, I think, something like that, an old bunny. <laughs> yeah, it's a great little kit because it had calf skins on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great, great, I mean, it just taught me a lot. Once I once I got that kit, and I, uh, it was a proper little kit, it belonged to a jazz drummer before me. Yeah, it's with, yeah. The symbols I discovered later on when I thought, what's the horrible noise after a while? When you get used to knowing what drums are, and it was the tin symbols. They were fucking awful. <laughs> but you know, the great thing about the um, about having the calf skins on all the drums, especially the snare, was that once I got the brushes and got used to the brushes, it got the great, lovely sound because yeah. yeah. the calf skins were all rough, and that's a, a fantastic sound. Were you playing a lot of brushes when you started? When I, you played- I, yeah, I did. I played a lot of brushes. I used to love. I still do, but I. I don't play enough brushes. It's all rock and roll now. Yeah, yeah. I love jazz, so I'm playing jazz with six modern brushes. I love to do some slower songs with. Sometimes I, I do when I did sessions. I did I did a sort of a brush, brush with the right hand and a stick cross stick with the with the left hand. Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen I've seen some videos of you where you you play quite a bit um, traditional grip. So I wondered if that was like a if. if you had sort of a jazz background like Charlie, you know, where you, oh, you yeah. played with, yeah. Yeah, with this, this, 
Uh, sorry, this is the only stick I've got lying around. It's it's my my children's my grandchildren's sticks, and they're all over the house. <laughs> oh, I can only find one. <laughs> yeah, cross that way. Yeah, yeah. In the right balance. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, playing this way, I love it because you know most drummers they they can really get get their their rocks off and sort of do all your rudiments and paradiddles and whatever this way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I I started that way as well, and then I switched to I play left-handed, but I started traditional and switched to matched, and I'm yeah. trying to get back to the original way to because it, I feel it's more comfortable playing the rudiments that way. It's funny because rock and roll. I mean, you tend to. I mean, I tend to play that way around, you know, with the bit with the heavy bit around that way. Yeah, I, I find I can get more crack out of it. You know, I can get about the, enough bounce and do all the paradiddles and stuff with it, but. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, but that way it's, it's great. So, so Kenny, let me ask you, by, by the time you guys, the small faces started recording like Ichiku Park and all the, all the, the big songs you guys had in the sixties, were those still the premiere? Was it still the, the Olympic kit you were using or had you moved to the Ludwig? I think uh, I saw Ludwig. The minute, uh, the minute we um, had a hit record, I, I, I went to Shaftesbury Avenue to uh, a, shop, a drum shop called Drum City. Yeah, sure. It's quite famous in its day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bought a silver, a silver Ludwig kit, a standard kit, you know. And um, I played that for a bit, and I don't know what happened to that. And then I swapped it in for. A, I went back to Drum City after a while, after using that for for a little while, um, and then I saw. I went to get something. I don't know where it was. I went to get some sticks or something. And I was in, in there. And in the queue was uh, Mick Jagger in front of me. And it was a long queue. So I thought, well, what are you going to buy? <laughs> so he's and he gets to the, to the top and he went to the counter and I, he said, got any maracas? <laughs> so, so I started laughing. And then the, this guy came out and said, oh, Kenny, he said, I'm glad you've come in. He said, a pasty symbols of wanted me to give you this symbol. It was a huge symbol, 26-inch symbol. I couldn't believe it. It's a big thing. It's heavier than me. Yeah. So that was good. And out on that same day, right at that time, out the corner of my, of my eye, I saw this black Ludwig kit piled up on top of another. I was just standing there with no sign saying for sale or anything. So I said to the salesman, I said, um, what's that? What's that kit doing there? He said, he said, uh, he said, oh, Brian Bennett's just brought that in from the shadows. He wants to sell it. I said, oh, I'll have it. I'll have it because I'm a massive fan of Brian Bennett and the shadows. So I, got, I had to have it. So I, I bought it straight there and then. And uh, and that's the kit I, I played all the Small Faces records on. Wow. Not knowing. And then I, when I spoke to Brian, Brian's a good friend of mine. He, he wants it back. He can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I yeah. said, I said, no, look, we'll share it if we want. Because he, he had a fire in his house and in his studio and he, all his drums got burnt. But uh, I said, we'll share it. And he's, he's, uh, but he's, he told me, he said, I've recorded all the, all the shadow sits on that. Wow. I said, well, I recorded all the small faces hits on it and all, and all the faces hits and all the other ones on it in the early days. <laughs> so we, we were kind of tug of war. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, it's nice that you can share it. Is that is that the same kit you used to record like Stay With Me? Was it were you still using it at that point? No, that? I think it's Stay With Me. I, I probably had the um the Tartan drum kit probably by then. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or, or one of the other ones, the, the Ludwig ones. Or, you had a blonde kit too, right? A, a like a wood, a wood kit. Yeah, a maple kit. Yeah, no, a maple kit. Was, yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a. I had two, right? one one a Premier and one and one a Ludwig, and uh, and what are the what are the other ones? Uh, my licorice all sorts kit, I call it. It's a stripe sound it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, you've seen that one. Yeah. Um, and and sort of the evolution of of the small faces becoming the faces, and and I I sort of think I know the history, but I but I've always wanted to talk to you about this. But was it basically Steve Marriott leaving the band that? Sort of ended the small faces, and you reformed with, but, with like but, Ronnie Lane, and that's why this album was, was, was. You can see well once you listen to it. This is why we should have continued with this kind of early music that we did. It was kind of oh, you have to listen to it. It's great. Yeah, you can yeah. And get their, get, you know, influence from. Um, but uh, no, what happened was. We had, it soon became apparent that we had to do uh, commercial records. So we, once we knew that there was more money in the um, in writing songs and things like that, because we, other people were writing songs for us and we didn't really like it, like Shalla La La Lee, mm. a bit rinky dinky and all that. But no song, but you know. But uh, we 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 really wanted to write the our own songs, so we started to write our own songs, and we became sort of. We fell into that trap of writing commercial songs and they became hits and got as well. The only freedom we probably had was towards the end when we had, when we did Ogden Snuck on Flake. Yeah. And that was a great one to, to play on, but also that was our last album. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's, it, I think what happened was we, we got fed up with the Screaming Girls and the, and the commercial records and it kind of started to grow on us. It grated on us all. But the thing is, it got to Steve more, more than we realised. And we played a gig in Alexander Palace uh, in London. And, um, yes, Steve, halfway through the show, he, he just suddenly threw the guitar down and walked up. And, and everyone sort of was, was you know, met, you know, it's stunned, basically. And so everyone looked at me, going, I, I was the only one playing, right? So I had to do a bit of a drum solo, and you know, I, I got fed up and said, "Through the drum sticks," and I walked off. <laughs> but uh, no, and we, what we did, we we still had to finish the tour, so we stayed together. But we understood what Steve was all about, mm. and that was that. But it left the three of us completely lost. So I've got, I've got to have a drink of water. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, gin, gin, vodka. Okay, I'll get gin. Yeah, so we all had to um, uh, finish the tour. And Steve went his way, but it was a really sad, sad time for all of us because we were like brothers, brothers in arms, you know, brothers in music, and and we kind of grew grew up together in the early days of everyone learning to play their instruments collectively at the same time, and that's why I think we developed this great telepathy between us all. So we never told each other what to play. We just knew what to play. It was, it was fantastic freedom. Yeah, yeah. So Steve and, went off and, and formed Humble Pie. Yeah. Leaving us with with our sort of up in in limbo, basically. So, but uh, 
we were good friends with the Stones, and the Stones said, look, we've got a warehouse in, in Bermondsey, in, just over Tower Bridge. Um, you know, we've got, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a rehearsal room. We, keep, we store all our equipment in there. So then we went down there, we rehearsed a couple of times. And went, no, well, it's not rehearsed, we jammed a lot. Jammed and went up the pub, jammed and went up the pub, jammed and went up the pub. <laughs> went on like that. And one day, Ronnie Lane brought his new, his new neighbour down. And that was, that was Ronnie Wood. And Ronnie Wood walked in and, he's, and he's, he, Ronnie said, oh, I'm just learning to play, not learning to play, I'm just converting from bass to to guitar when I play lead guitar. So he, we, we started to play with, with Ronnie all that time. And so I, we, I soon set, started calling him Woody because that meant we had two Ronnies in the band at that time. I still would yeah. call him Woody. Anyway, he's Ronnie, Ronnie. He's Ronnie and Wood, Woody. Woody and Woody. <laughs> so he was, he was playing guitar. So we did a lot of jamming together. And then till one day, um, the um, uh, Ronnie or Woody called brought down his best friend, which was Rod Stewart. And Rod used to sit on the amps watching us. Um, and I kept thinking, oh, God, uh, what's, I, knew Rod, I knew Rod could sing because they were both with the Jeff Beck band at the time. Mm. And then uh, Rod kept going like this, uh, watch, watch. Uh, so it meant uh, drink up. So we got go up the pub and get to know each other. This went on and on for a couple of weeks. And then I said, look, you know, we've got to try and, Get, get to sing, we keep jamming, but let's let's do the vocals you know, and all that. So, um, Ronnie Lane sang, and it's you know, Ronnie Lane has a great voice, but he's not really what, not what I call a, a front man, mm-hmm. like you, you miss Steve and that raspy voice and stuff, you know, that great voice. Um, and then, um, then Max started to sing. I went, oh yeah, I'm a drummer can see everything. <laughs> As it has the greatest seat in the house, or the worst seat in the house. <laughs> and this was blown away. So, and I thought, yeah, great. I listened to the voice. Then, then uh, Ronnie Woody started singing. I went, right, okay. And all the time, I'm looking at Rod on the on the amp. So, so we had, then he was like watching the watching the egg up the pub, up the pub. So we went up the pub. <laughs> And I said to Rod, can I have a word with you? So let's go around the corner into, into the next bar. I went around and I said, I said, would you join the, would you fancy joining the band? He went, oh, he said, do you think they'd let me? I said, yeah, of course they would. And that night we, we went back to uh, Alvin Lee's um, uh, drinks party in a little music flat behind Harley, Harley Street. And... Uh, so I said to everyone, "Come out, come upstairs. I want to. I want to tell you something." I said, "I've asked Rod to join the band." Oh no, we don't want another prima donna in the band. We don't want another. I said, "Oh god!" Uh, and I dug my heels in. I, I got my own way. So, and because I knew it was the difference between success and failure. I think. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, Rob was well. We got. I mean, Rob was part of the band by the time we got to know. He's just one of the lads. Still is to this day. So. We get along like house on fire, and yeah. that's you know the test of time has shown that. But um, even though we've gone our separate ways, done different things, amazing things. Absolutely, yeah. But, and and this was like 1969 ish when that um, when that happened thereabouts. Yeah, 1969. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 so, and in the meantime, like Rod 
so the, the faces had formed and Rod was the singer and Woody's playing guitar and, and, uh, and Ronnie Lane and in McClagan and legendary band. And then Rod goes off to do every picture tells a story as a Rod Stewart record, kind of as a separate with, but you come in to play, I'm losing you. Yes. Yeah. You got called into play. I remember, I remember uh, I lived in Hampstead at that time and the, the, uh, studio we were recording and it was only like five minutes away and Rod called up and said I was watching a film and Rod called up and said oh we're going to do losing you what can you come and play I said yeah great no problem I'll be right over <laughs> so I went over did did losing you and went back and watched the other half of the film <laughs> <laughs> so was it was it like one or two takes that you you got it, the drum solo we, we knew it quite well but the thing is there was this break in it which was which is a drum break, and Rod would sort of sing and chant all over it, you know, that bit. Yeah. That slowly turned into a solo, a drum solo over the years. It got longer and longer and longer, too bloody long. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm afraid that stuck with me. It's a great, I mean, it's one of the, I mean, I grew up, I started playing drums not long after that record came out, and that that whole record and that that drum solo was such a huge influence. And it's, to me, you know, there aren't, many drum solos on a studio record you know yeah. I mean, usually they're like on live albums you hear them and uh you know moby dick is another great recorded drum solo on a on a well, studio the, the, when it turned into a, uh, a solo slowly and slowly and got longer and longer and became sort of live part of the show and then became live on an album live so that's how it got to it but the actual recording first recording we wrote on on, it, on his album was actually a, a short Shorter, uh, not a solo, just a drum break. I see. I see. That's that's interesting to know that because what I always loved about it is, is unlike as we like you were saying, you know, the, a lot of these drum solos, but like you know, you can tap your foot to it. It's like it never loses the groove. Hmm. You know, wow. all those the the you know, it's and as a kid, you know, when I first heard that, I couldn't put my finger on why I loved it so much. Do you, you know what I mean? It was like it didn't it didn't occur to me that. It was so simple. Is is the reason I love this is because it's it's the well, song is still going. I think, you know? the, I think the groove was was a, quite a good one to do because basically I could I could go anywhere with it. I mean, I could I could start then I start playing like this halfway through, you know, and just do, do all my tricky stuff, you know. Yeah, all, yeah. It's better the build of showing off stuff, you know. <laughs> I've never been a show off really. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and and. Uh, so do you remember, Kenny, was that song recorded before you recorded Stay With Me or after? I'm just curious, like the sort of uh, timing of when I those got, two records. I've got to work this out. Before or after? Uh, about the same time. About the same time. Yeah, okay. I'm splitting it down the middle now. I'm compromised. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. No, that's great. Um, and and when you went in to record I'm Losing You, was it a kit that was in the studio that you just kind of walked in and, and used, or was it did you bring your own drums in for it? Or you know what I've often asked myself that question. I can't remember. I think I think Mickey Waller was playing on and I think I might I might have used his drums. I can't remember. It it sounds like the, the drums on the rest of the record, which I think is Mick, Mickey Waller, as you say. Yeah. And so it, I, it probably was Mickey's drums I played on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a fat, you know, I, I listened to it. All the time. I mean, I listen to that whole record. I listen to that that song, and it's just such a great, well done, 
my friend. Well done. It's, it's uh, funny, you know, because it reminds me of that reminded me of uh, I called in to do a session to, to see Glenn Johns in the Olympic Studios on the way home, and he, he was recording um, uh, P.P. Arnold uh, and s s singing one of our songs, If You Think You're Groovy. And the drummer was there and he was playing it. And it, it, I felt so sorry for the drummer. I was in the control room watching him. And not, I was trying to stay out of his way. And, and then he kept getting it, sort of not quite getting it right. A fantastic drummer. And, and I kept thinking, well, I, I, know, I know what it means because it's a Ronnie and, Lane, Ronnie and Steve song. And so I went down in the studio afterwards. I said, look, it's, it's like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Went back up and, he, and he did it like that. And Glenn was going, no, it's not like that, it's like that. And this went on for ages. And then we're going backwards and forwards. And then, and then they said to me, why don't you play it? And I said, oh, I'm not coming here to play drums or whatever. And they said, they said well, you, you, you play it. And then the, 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 I forget, the, the, I don't know the, the name of the drummer, I've forgotten. But I'm really sorry. <laughs> but, so I ended up playing, playing it. And... And I really, really enjoyed playing that track because I it was a, it was a small faces song, but I really it was a, it, it was I just like the drum part in it. That's that's great. A couple of quick questions people have asked. Um, Don Deniston is asking if you still have the premiere the Tartan premiere kit. Well, I know where it is. All right, you know and where I, it is. Yeah, I'm 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 sort of working on it at the moment. That's a good but you answer. Know what, it's it's kind of you kind of move on in, in those every time I did a tour with the faces I, it was kind of almost a tradition of, that I would get a new drum kit for each tour yeah and I it was a different, different sort of look a different feel whatever so the next next time we play a tour with a, I'll do a tour with the faces which is going to be some point in the future I'm working on a new design Let's put it that way. All right. Cool. We'll be one of the old ones. Um, we, we were just talking about um, Stay With Me, and, and I just have to say that the, the two-bar fill that you do at the end of it is, is the greatest. If It's, it's oh, one of the, if not the greatest, breaks ever. Do you think so? <laughs> Ab absolutely, man. Absolutely. I think every time I get to it, I, I wish I, I said, oh, I kept thinking, I could have done a lot better than that. And I, but uh, if, I, if I don't do it exactly the same, everyone has a go at me. Like, you know, <laughs> well, not the band, but just just fans and stuff. So I try and keep it as, more, more or less exactly the same. Well, yeah. When I So I, I want to tell you, I saw you. I think it, it was the last tour that the original, well, it wasn't the original because Ronnie Lane wasn't in the band. But in 75, after Woody had played with the Stones, yeah. And you guys did a tour. I, I live in outside of Boston and you guys played in Boston in October of 1975. Peter Frampton was the opening band. If you might remember, yeah. um, I think they yeah. did some dates. And you, and I remember when you played stay with me, <clears throat> you did the break, you did the fill at the end and it wasn't exactly like the record. And I was sort of waiting for it, but what you played, I remember, and I've heard a live version of the song from that tour. You played almost like a Max Roach. Um, how can I explain it? But it was, it was of course very similar, but you, you even added something even kind of hipper and cooler. You did this like little triplety thing toward the end of it. Do that, that, and that, and that, 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 that,
I, you know, it was 45 years ago, but I, whatever, 46 years ago, but I remember it. It was like, you know, I was glued to my seat. I just feel like I should have done a really fast parody. <laughs> <laughs> Probably been too obvious. Uh, no, it was, it was great. I mean, it was a, it was a fabulous show. And I remember you took a, a extended drum solo during I'm Losing You. Like, as you were just saying, it, it live, yeah. it became, and that was, of course, in those days, everybody played drum solos. So that, it made sense. You know, that was like a, a part of the night where well, and, it, used I, be, it used to be a horror story for me sometimes i got really tense every time we got to a, to the drum solo i think i wonder what's going to happen now it's because one time the i was doing i think we were playing finsbury park and a theater there and there was a pub on you walked outside the stage door on the corner of the road there was a pub so i started playing you know the solo and all of a sudden, it was going on a bit too long. I think, where is everybody? And I'm trying to give this, you know, the, the, the sort of counting for Ronnie to come in back in. And he's not there. No one's here. This went on, on and on and on. <laughs> 20 minutes later, they come running over the stage, started, laugh, started laughing. I'm nearly, I was just about to throw the towel They went up the pub. <laughs> so anything can happen in that bloody solo. Yeah, that's great. Um I was going to, you know, I know I'm, I'm, and I apologize, I'm jogging your memory for all this things that happened so long ago. But it, again, I've always been fascinated with um, what little I know about you playing on It's Only Rock and Roll, but I like it, which I oh, remember yeah. I'd, I'd learned that um, sometime in the early 80s. Then I, I, I bought Max Weinberg's uh, book, The Big Beat, where you were, inter- he interviewed you and you, you talked a little bit about that. And, yeah. and, uh, and I know that. <clears throat> it was a song that, that Mick Jagger and Ronnie Wood were sort of jamming on. And then, and they rang you up to come in and play, right. Basically to put a, a reference track, like a. Well, it was, um, it was um, a song we hadn't even, hadn't even started really. So when I get there, I mean, I, when, when I get this call from Ronnie saying, uh, Kenny, we haven't got a drum out. And oh, blimey. I was just always cool when I've got one leg into bed <laughs> and I lived on Richmond park. Uh, we both lived around Richmond Park, uh, and at night they closed the gate to Richmond Park. So, for me to get to Woody's, going across a, across a, across the park would take me oh. two minutes. Go all the way around is is it more like fifteen minutes or well, a bit longer, twenty minutes. But also, I'd had a drink, so I didn't want to get caught for drink driving. So it was a tense moment getting there. I get there. One night it'd be Bob Dylan there, you know. Another night it'd be Eric Clapton, whatever. This this particular night was uh, I, it was just Jagger, Mick Jagger. So we just, hello Kenny, how are you doing? Yeah, great. So I started playing, like, and it's just playing away. And Ronnie was in the control room, working at the engineer, doing the engineer bit because he just got a load of outboard equipment, new stuff. So he's playing around with that. He said, "Keep playing, keep playing." So just me and, me and Mick together, yeah. And suddenly we hit this groove. And Mick said, he said, uh, he said, oh, play it, play it, play it like that. And I went, okay. So I said, I said, it's too late. I'm going to play it like this. I said, anyway, it's only rock and roll. <laughs> so we kept, we kept, we kept buzzing around. That's, that's how it happened. And we ended up sort of playing it. I just thought nothing more of it. Went home the next day. I forgot all about it. Wow. Then I got a call saying, saying, uh, oh, you're on this the Stones album. I said, what? And they said, well, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. 
and it says they're they're single. I went, oh, what? I called up Charlie straight away. I said, Charlie, I'm really sorry. I never meant this to happen. I I would never be, you know, stealing anyone's thunder like that. And he said, he said, all right, it's all right, Kenny, don't worry, because this is the special thing about Charlie. He was such a lovely gentleman. I said, Kenny, it's okay. Sounds like me anyway. (laughs) So, uh, good old Charlie. Oh, I know. Bless him. I know. Yeah. No, I I'd heard that story. Yeah. That and and it, it does sound like him. And and but well, it's but, funny enough, I was singing about Charlie when I was playing it. So when you think about that, you kind of it kind of, I'm sure he just the Charlie, I play Charlie. Well, it's it's a it's a it's an amazing track, Kenny. I, I think you know, if if you had only recorded that one song, I think it puts you at the top of the mountain, I, I think, because it's, it's, it's such the feel is so impossible. To yeah, it's a great feel. I like the feel. Nick. Oh. I'll tell you why. It's, it's, it, was, it was about three o'clock in the morning and I was bloody tired. <laughs> <laughs> that's the key. <laughs> yeah, no, let's just keep everyone up late. Really sort of keep the drummer up late because when, when you get really tired, you're going so far behind that beat. Do you do you recall? I mean, do you know if the 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 version that we hear on the song is that? Um, like, did you do a bunch of takes, or is, were there just a couple of takes, and or did oh, it just? Don't forget, it was a bit more. It was late, late, and it was just a just a quick sort of rough de- demo type song. You know, yeah. I, did, I didn't think we were, I didn't even think we were gonna, they were going to keep it. You know, so yeah, we, I think we just uh, probably run through it a couple of times. That's it. Well, you know, I I, I had um, the drummer Andy Newmark. I don't know if you know Andy. I know, I know uh, Andy. Yeah, you know Andy. I had Andy on with me a few months ago. We were talking about that because he had done some of Ronnie's solo record. Um, I think just before, yeah, before that, and 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 he, we were talking about you, and I said I hope to someday talk to Kenny about this. But um, he recalled there being what he he recalled a Ludwig kit that like. Ronnie had set up in his studio. It might have been. He said it might have been one of your old kits, maybe. No, I, I gave him a drum kit, which is the worst thing I ever did. That's why he called me up a big time. <laughs> <laughs> so it was one of your old Ludwig kits. That was... I, I, I think it's a blonde one. You think I it's think a? It's a... Oh, your blonde one. Uh, yeah, Ludwig. I think the maple one. Yeah. And do you? Re- I know this is really this is really pushing my luck asking you these questions, but do you remember what the symbols were? I'm guessing they were they were pasty something. I would have thought in those days it would have been it would have been pasty. Yeah. And I I kind of if I liked a zildjian, I'd get I'd just mix and match them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's the the hi hats and in, in the the like the crash that you hit a lot. I mean, it's it's so, so, sound edge, you know. They were the, yeah. Yeah. But the bevel bottom edge. Yeah, yep. I, I love that. And did you ever use the Peisty Giant beats or are you like the 2002s or do you remember like? I've, you, I've used them all at different times, if you see what I mean. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, no. I've, I've still got the um, the 26-inch Peisty cymbal, which is huge. I, I recorded that. When I got that, I thought, this is such a great sound. And when I was recording uh, the, with the small faces, we did this track called Rolling Over. Mm. It was like all sorts of symbols. So that's how we. If you listen to Rolling Over, it's all symbol. Okay. I, yeah. Yep. I've seen pictures of that that twenty six inch symbol. Yeah. It is. It's it's. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then, so I, that it's just a, it's a, that's such a fascinating story that you, that you recorded that song as what you thought was going to be a demo. And I, and I'll just say as a, as a drummer and as a, you know, a very, um, uh, you know, I was really into Charlie's playing at that time. And I remember hearing that song on the record in context with the rest of the album. And even at like 13 or 14, it's just sounded really different to me. Do you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. It, the the sound of the drums and the playing, and uh, and then I later found out it was you, and it all made sense that okay, that's that's Kenny Jones, you know. That's funny enough. It's, uh, I um, not a lot of people know this. Not a lot of people know this. I played on <laughs> Bright Eyes as well. You you played on I'm sorry on Bright Eyes. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So oh. that's you can all hear the drums, but it, uh, it's a fill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much and slow. It must have been two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so just fast forward, you know, a couple of years after that, and you were you were out with Keith Moon the night that he. Um, I, I hope that's okay to ask you that question. That that I know you guys were mates, and um, you'd been yeah. to the movies. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I just I got off, got off a plane from. Uh, where was I? Houston, Texas, somewhere like that. And I got me out of the airport and taken straight to the premiere of the Buddy Holly film that Paul McCartney did, made. Um, and uh, it was like a really, really strange thing because we went, you know, when you go to a premiere of uh, in Leicester Square, which is a famous Leicester Square, where you mm -hmm. go to all the premieres. And we went straight to the restaurant as, uh, as a reception. I said, what are we doing here? We're supposed to go to the film. I said, no, no, we're having the reception now. And then we're going to go to watch the film. So, okay, so then we're, so we're sitting around the table and there was me, Paul McCartney, Linda McCartney, uh, Keith, his girlfriend, me, and Paul's brother, who was a member of the scaffold. And I was just chatting around. Oh, and so... Uh, What's his name? Oh. George Martin? No, uh, no, not George Martin. No. He was making the tea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you have company back there. <laughs> oh. So David Frost, there you go. Oh, David Frost, yeah. <clears throat> so it's quite, it's quite a serious little table there. And I was telling Keith, you know, he said, I said, he said, me, what have you, you been doing? I said, I've come straight off a plane. I've got, I've got just forming a new band and I'm doing it with Clint Johns who's going to produce it. Um, it's kind of half American, half English, and I'll tell him all about it. I'm quite excited about that. And I said, How have you been? He said, He said, Great. He said, I'm, he said, I'm sober. I'm not doing any, I'm not taking any drugs or drink or whatever. I said, Well, he, I said, You know, you, you look look great, no problem. He said, Yeah, no, he said, Great. So I, have to, I he said, I have to take these pills. If I ever feel like a drink, it makes me violently ill, so I don't drink. Anyway, then after this turn and frame conversation, we walked around the corner to the, the see the film, the Buddy Holly film, and when that finished, we all came, said goodbye to each other, and I said goodbye to you. I said, I see you later. And then the next day when I woke up, you know, I put the TV on, mm. the news came on, and uh, and he said, oh, Keith Moon Drummers was found dead in his apartment. Uh, from a drug overdose. I went, what? Well, I said, I could, it can't be true because I, I thought, 
it's it's just a bloody joke. This is it's a joke. It's, it it's just doing. So what's he what's he up to now? And sure enough, it was true. And that, wow. that's no it's awful. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, I know. Well, and and you know, it's and, in my and, book. If you get my book, it's in the book. And you, I, you, it's all in there. I, you know, I I think I have your book, Kenny, and I'm I'm. Why I haven't read it, I, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know, but I'm, I'm I I think I have it. I think I bought it somewhere. Um, yeah. Well, I'm not going to take time from yeah, <laughs> while we're live to go look. Don't read, don't, don't read it now, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read a chapter. No, you yeah. know, I, but I think someone either I bought it or someone sent it to me, and and um, I'm going to take a picture and email it to you, so you can so I can prove to you that I have it, and I'm going to read it. I believe you, uh, don't worry. Um, but thank you for, for telling. And then, you know, I just have to say your, your playing with the who I thought was was perfect. And, and, and uh, you know, it was as many, many, many people have said it wasn't, you know, they didn't they didn't want a, somebody to come in and play just like Keith Moon. And I thought what you brought to the band it was, was it would have been wrong for me to do that. It would have been totally wrong for me to do that. Yeah. Certain feels, I felt I really liked certain feels that Keith played and I loved his drumming anyway. Um, so I thought I'm just gonna. I can only play me, and I'm a lot straighter drummer than Keith. Yeah. And so, but some of the fills I thought I've got to do near enough like Keith if I can, because they're really nice to play. So that's yeah. The, just that's the nearest I got to. Yeah, and you absolutely did it. You know, and I've I've heard you say this in other interviews where like won't get fooled again, and that songs that required playing those fills. I mean, you 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 absolutely gave. You, you, can't put your, you can't put yourself into that performance of playing that kind of song. I mean, that's yeah. a great song to play drums to. That and who are you? All that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to do your best. Absolutely, I, but I I think some of the songs songs you recorded yourself with the Who, like like Athena and Eminence Front. Um, oh yeah. I mean, Eminence Front is, yeah, and Athena too, like, you know, the, the, the snare drum work that you're playing during those. And, and the other one I like as well, Cry If You Want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because it's just, it's very, it's the same sort of thing, military sort of beat. But it's, it, when you get yourself into it, and get yourself into that mood, that mood of playing. Yeah, no, it's it's some some fabulous drumming. And uh, thank you. I, very I, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, and whenever I hear, you know, Eminence Front, it's just that the yeah the pocket is just so undeniable. You know, it's just there's, there's lovely little turnarounds on the bass drum in that little. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and so did you track that with? Like along to a click track? Did you record I, it? I, I did it with a click, yeah. You did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. I just. I mean, I, I can almost forget the click in a sense because once you get into that mood, you never leave. You never, you never lose it. Yeah. Had you and because I mean that was 1982. So had you worked much with a click before that, or was that kind of a new? Oh, yeah, thing I, I, I did lots of sessions. Yeah, uh, whilst I was in the small faces and um, and all the way through, and. I'd been often asked to play to a click, so I got used to playing to a click. Um, oh, that explains it, yeah. In those, in those days, it really was just a click. Yeah. But then later on, you, I'd prefer to play to a, a percussion track, you know? Right. 
Yeah, but back then it was just a sterile, just a, yeah, just a pop in your your ear. Um, I was just going to say another question came from a, a, a friend of mine, Anthony Cusina, asked if there's uh, anything that you're working on. Where did I see that? Anything you're working on these days to improve your playing? Any any practice tips or or uh, exercises? Um, I'm constantly trying to trying to. I, I like to play certain things and, and and just sort of stumble upon things. And if I do, I kind of that stays me with me for a while. But I'm pretty much the same sort of. I can only what I do is I just I like I like to play me. I can only play me. I never like to copy anyone or do anything like that. It's just me. Yeah, yeah. People ask me, how do you do this? I, I, I don't know. I just play, play it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. that's a perfect answer. I, I was going to ask you too. I, I, I sort of, I had written this down and I sort of skipped by it. Um, and I should know the answer, but I'm going to ask. The, the studio version of Twisting uh, the Night Away, that you got, the cover version that Rod did, um, yeah. is that you on that track as well? I, I can't remember, to be honest. It's a, yeah, I, I think, I, I think it's, I think it is you and I'm going to, I'll look it up. Yeah. Yeah. But I know you played that live probably a million times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Has some great fills. Well, um, I know you didn't have a lot of time and, and I, I I should, we could, we could, is there anything you want to talk about that you're, you want to, um, talk about what you're doing right now, some things or. Well, I'm having a, once I finish this glass of water, I'm going to have a real drink. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. Good. I'm kind of, I've got my own band called the Jones Gang, and we, we it's a horrible name, but but uh, we've got a great band, and it's uh, we're rehearsing on Thursday, I think. So for we've got a couple of gigs coming up. I'm looking forward to Fantastic. that. Yeah, and so I'm I'm terrible when it comes to practicing. I my practice is when I'm playing with the band live, doing, playing for real. I kind of cheat when I, as I get older and I kind of sit behind the drums and play. And I like to, I, I kind of, I practice all my rudiments, you know, all the rudiments, you know, all the roles and paradiddles and God knows what, um, things like that. I keep sort of loose like that. There's nothing like playing for real. Yeah. And, I mean, it's so, it's so different when you're on, on your own. Um, when all you want to do is play with a band. Nothing like it. Do you, do you ever play to, um, I, you know, what I do to just sort of stay loose is I, I take um, my music on my phone and run it through a mixer and listen through headphones and sort of play along to it. I, 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 I do that. I do my little, my iPhone, put it in there, put it in there, yeah. so play away like I, that. I play along <laughs> to you often, in fact, so it's, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, that, and I, but I know exactly what you mean. It's hard to sit down. And, you know, I'm I'm yeah. a little younger than you, but it's just hard it's, to sit down. It's so frustrating when you do that because sometimes something always goes wrong with the battery or the the headphones or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and I sh- I should also just that just for all the drummers watching this, and there's a lot of drummers watching. You've you've been with Yamaha Drums now for since the early '80s. I think I'm the oldest endorsee ever. I've been with them since 1973 or something like that. Ah, okay. Yeah. So that's, so that's what you're using. So like when you do these gigs, you'll be out playing. I know the, you know, the. I'm I'm a great believer in Yamaha drums and the sound of them has, it's always, always been superb and the quality of them has always been superb. 
I mean, I remember, I, I love Ludwig drums, but what happened was, I think uh, Ludwig went through a phase where they sold all their wood to America, and they couldn't get any decent wood in, in, in America because they sold it to, to J Japan. So, and that's how for, they bought all the weathered wood. And I remember getting a drum kit I, uh, on a session once, it was a Ludwig one. And I thought, this looks a bit shoddy. This, I don't know, I dug my, dug my finger through, through the, I could, I could dig, it, dig it through the shell, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, so it's a sad moment for, for, for Ludwig, although Ludwig are brilliant now. Yeah. It's just, just one of those things that happen in, when, when America sells all their good wood, Weatherwood to the Japanese. That's what is going to happen. So then, copy guitars, all the Gibsons, are, you know. Yeah, yeah. Make, make copies. Yeah, they've they've definitely. I mean, you're right though. They've turned it around here in the in the states. They've they've come back to be a, you know, yeah. a viable company, which is great. Good to see them. And mm. and uh, and I, I just want to mention a, a quick comment before I let you run, Kenny. A, a friend of mine, uh, Jim McGaffey, we worked together at Zildjian, in fact, for many years big fan of yours said anything off face dances really is rhythm magic the quiet one you all oh, hoop chestnuts yeah yeah, yeah. So, well i can't agree <laughs> <laughs> but this is this has been so fantastic i may i may bother you in the future to to do another one well, of these maybe anytime even. i really enjoy it i like i like the, the fact that other people are, we're just talking drums and that sort yeah. of thing it's, uh, it's nice actually it is, yeah. I, I, and the guitarist batting in, or singers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, we could. Yeah, who needs singers? <laughs> <laughs> we do. Well, we do. We'll if, you, if you can hang with me for one second, Kenny, I'm, I'm going to just. I'll end the uh, the live stream and I'll come back and just for one more second before we uh, say yeah, goodbye. No if you would, thank you. So uh, everybody, thanks for watching. Uh, big hand for Kenny Jones legendary and you guys <laughs> uh thank you and uh this has been so great thank you and and uh yeah okay hang tight for one second kenny if you will <laughs>